You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Um, so we started a couple weeks ago just talking about um, living victorious and how to, how to live a victorious life. And if, you, if you've missed the last couple weeks, you need to go back and listen to it because it's really, it's really powerful. The first thing we talked about is just overcoming a victim mentality or overcoming victimhood. Has anybody had to overcome some victim mentality in this room? Let's see a show of hands. Yeah, half of you. The other half of you, you still need to overcome it. So I'm just, just kidding. Praise the Lord. But that's something that, you know, you know life is supposed to be easy. I mean, think about the garden. And I mean, none of us were there. Some of us are older than others, but nobody was in the garden, amen? And, but when you look in the garden, especially in their relationship with the Lord, it was just ease. They didn't have to believe for any food. Now, they had to plant and do things like that, but there was, that was an enjoyable kind of work. See, when the curse came in, the Lord said, by, by the sweat of your brow to Adam, you're going, you're going to have to work. And so before then, there was work, but there was an ease to it. They didn't have to believe for food. They didn't have to struggle through marital problems. They didn't have any kids at that point, and so they didn't have to dish out any spankings or anything like that. Amen. And uh, so things were just easy, and their relationship with the Lord was easy. There was nothing to work through, you know, uh, mentally, and nothing to work through as far as emotionally. It was just them and God. And the truth is, is that Jesus really has restored everything back in terms of our relationship with the Lord. Jesus restored everything back. He wasn't the he wasn't the second Adam. He was, but really he was the last Adam. There's no more work to be done to restore things back to how they were. Adam messed everything up, and we fell into that because of what he did. And Eve was there too, by the way. Uh, because of what they did, I'm going to get you all to laugh one way or another this morning. I'm going to keep working at it. But, uh, you know, we fell into that. We were born into that, but because of Jesus, and we get born again, now we're born into just perfection. In terms of praise the Lord, relationship with the Lord. Amen? That was my ring on the table. Hallelujah. So praise God. I had somewhere I was going with that, and I distracted myself by my hand. That was loud. Uh, See? Told you I'm going to get you to laugh. It's so good to laugh. I found myself dealing with something the other day, and I thought, I'm just going to laugh. I didn't do it in front of Liz, because then she would be like, yeah, I told you, because she's always telling me. Like, if I'm dealing with something, she'd be like, you just need to laugh. And I'm like, well, you know... Praise God. You know, you know how men can be sometimes. And so, but I started laughing the other day, confession time. I laughed and it was really, really good for me. So it's powerful. It changes your perspective. It absolutely does. It says he who sits in the heavens laughs. So when he's sitting in heaven, that's his place. He's sitting, so he's resting. He's positioned right where he's needing to be with the best perspective. And so he has ability to laugh, which goes against the spirit of intimidation, which is what tries to get, get us to like shrink back, to be paralyzed, to stop. So laugh, laugh. Yeah. I did a whole yeah. live on that, so if you didn't watch it, you should go watch it because laughter is powerful. That's right. Yeah, amen. So, uh, so we talked about victimhood, overcoming victimhood, and the last week we just talked about the love of God and you know just how important the love of God, and if there's one foundational truth, if there was only one foundational truth, it would be that you are loved by God. If that was the only thing you got, 
moving forward, that really would be enough to build the rest of your life and, uh, and everything on. So, but the next thing we're going to talk about is just about relationship with the Lord. So, you know, you, you can know that God loves you and not have a vibrant relationship with him. You know, I know that Liz loves me, but, you know, I could know that she loves me and not have a vibrant relationship with her. And so, as a matter of fact, I would say that we were probably that way for a while, especially before we got married. She was, we call her the stalker. We come actually, on, we kind of dropped on. that a little bit, but it, it made me feel good, you know? <laughs> and I think that was some of the psychology behind like me, you know, us together. And then I'm like, I'm done with this. And you're like, oh, I want you. And on the inside, I was going, yeah, she definitely wants me, you know? And so it was, it was really sick and twisted, but you know, and so, but that she just continued to show her love for me. Uh, but our, our, and even moving into the first years of our marriage, like we didn't really have a vibrant relationship. And it was because, it wasn't because I didn't know that she loved me. And she knew that I loved her. I just wasn't very good at showing it. Uh, we knew we loved each other, but our relationship wasn't great because we didn't, we didn't know how to do it. And so I liken that to a lot of believers that, you know, in terms of living victorious, it's the Bible says the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. That sounds victorious, doesn't it? But it says that the people who know their God, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him personally. We're not called to know about God. We're not called to fill ourselves with all the philosophical, hermeneutical, homiletical type of whatever going on as far as reading the Bible. We're supposed to read the Bible. We're supposed to worship the Lord, and it's supposed to be personal for us as individuals. We're called into intimacy with the Lord, and so having a relationship with the Lord, and a powerful one, a productive one, is what the Lord has called us into, and that's what I was going to say is that Adam destroyed everything, but Jesus uh, restored everything. And so because of that, we have the ability, the availability. God's available. He's made, it, um, he's made us able through him. If we'll just make ourselves available, then we can have a vibrant relationship with him. Amen. And so in John chapter 17 and verse 3, it says this, and I think we've got this we can pull up on there. We've got several verses, and we're going we're gonna to hit them really quick. If you're taking notes, it's great to take notes. John 17 and verse 3, it says, and this is eternal life. Most of the time when we think about eternal life, we think about what? We think about heaven, but we think about length, right? This isn't talking about length. This is talking about quality. Look at this. It says that they, this and this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now, this is Jesus speaking, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's incredible. This is saying that this is eternal life to know God. So when we're called in, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but will have, present tense, have everlasting or eternal life, it's not talking about that, well, now you're in good shape and when you die, you're going to go to heaven. It does include that and praise God for that, but it's talking about that now that you've been brought into Christ and now that you've, you've, the, the relationship has been restored between you and him, that you have eternal life, which is a quality of living. It's a quality of life. It's a relationship that we've been brought into. Amen. Yeah. And I, need, I think that a lot of everybody needs to let that soak in now. This isn't for tomorrow or one day. This is that we would experience eternal life right now, the abundant living right now, the victorious living today and each and every day that we are here 
on this earth. Yeah, that's exactly right. So then the, the question comes in, how do we have that? How do we have a relationship, a vibrant relationship with the Lord? And if you've never asked that question, you need to ask that question. And I found this that in my relationship with the Lord. I like to ask questions because when you ask questions, God gives answers. He really, he really likes to give answers. And it's interesting. You can find that in the scriptures. Nobody would have asked Jesus a question and it will say, and Jesus answered. And you read before that, and I'm like, where's the question? Nowhere. He just likes to give answers. Amen. And so, but if you ask God questions, he will give you answers. Right. And questions are, and it's an invitation for him to come. Whenever you ask a question, you are inviting an answer. So everybody asks this question, how do I develop a relationship with God? How do I deepen my relationship with God? On the count of three, let's all ask it together. One, two, three. How do I deepen my relationship with God? I'm so glad you all asked. I'm going to give you an answer, all right? And the answer is, this is, this, this is, this, this is the simple answer. It's intentionality. It's being, it's being intentional. And so when you think about being intentional, you know, Liz and I, we have a great marriage, um, almost perfect. If I wasn't in it, it'd probably be perfect, amen? But uh, it's almost a perfect marriage, but we have a great relationship. And the reason we have a great relationship is because we are, we are purposeful in what we do. You know, we've just been um, reconfiguring our budget for our home and different things like that. You know, one of the things that we stick in our budget is that we put, um, we have date nights, and so then we plan money for date nights, and we'll go out to dinner, we'll go to the movies, we'll do whatever it is that we want to do. Sometimes we just go for walks, but we're very, very intentional. As a matter of fact, we go on, we went on a walk this morning. We got up early and went on a walk. And, uh, you know, we do that at least once a week. We have times where we just, we'll pull ourselves away and we'll sit on the front porch most mornings, half the mornings probably together and just talk and dream. And we're building relationship when we do that, but we're intentional in doing that. So a lot of the intentionality has to come. And this is, this is a word that nobody likes to hear, especially grace people. And I've struggled with this word over the years, but I've come to really appreciate it, and it's discipline. And so when you develop spiritual disciplines, it will help you in your relationship with the Lord. And sometimes, um, you know, relation, we think about relationship, and we just think, oh, well, it should just be organic, and me and Jesus just love it on each other. But before you know it, you've gone uh, months, or you've gone a year, and you haven't read the Bible. You haven't really pressed into him in prayer. You haven't done the things that you know you need to do that cause you to grow and become connected with him. That's why we should develop spiritual disciplines. That's being uh, intentional. And so there's a difference between, and you taught me this, and we're going to play a quick video for you. It's only about a, a minute long. And I think it says it in this video, but there's a difference between motivation and discipline. And, you know, the, the difference is, like, if you take somebody that goes to, goes to the gym or something, you know, most of the time people, and if you have an avid person that, that they're avid about working out, they'll tell you oftentimes they don't feel like doing it. But they're disciplined, and because they're disciplined to do it, they reap the benefits of being, of being disciplined. And sometimes that can feel too strong of a word for people in their relationship with the Lord. Like, I don't need to be that strict. God loves me. Well, it has nothing to do with God's love for you, but it has everything to do with getting your flesh in line and getting it really out of the way is really the alignment it needs to be in, out of the way so that you can connect with the Lord. And I've found very practically that, that a way to do that, a powerful way to do that, is simply to just develop disciplines, habits concerning you and your relationship with the Lord, and it'll really help you. We have that video ready to go. We're going to play this video, and you need to listen and catch every word. 
Okay, so start it back and make sure the volume is ready to go. And so this is, what's this guy's name, Jocko? Jocko, okay, listen, hold on for a second. Get the, get the volume right. Jocko is an ex-Navy SEAL, all right? And so he is going to put the boot to you in one minute in about five seconds. Well, I mean, look at his face. He's I know, like, he's like, oh. I'm like, oh, Jocko. Anyways, he's really going to let us have it here for a minute, but it's really good. Uh, that's fine. You can start right there. This is a video that has three principles in it. We're just giving you one principle. And what's the video on uh, as a whole on discipline? It's three disciplines three principles of discipline or whatever, but this is, the, this is the, where the rubber meets the road. So go ahead and play that. That's not a contradiction. It's an equation. <laughs> discipline might appear to be the opposite of freedom. Yeah. But in fact, discipline them. is the path to freedom. It's a lot of truth. Discipline is the driver of daily execution. Discipline defeats the infinite excuses that hold you back. Some people think motivation is what will compel them to get things done. But motivation is just an emotion, a feeling. And like all feelings, it's fickle. It comes and goes. You can't count on motivation to be there when you need to get through truly challenging times. But you can count on discipline. Discipline is something you dictate. Motivation won't make you exercise every day. Discipline will. Motivation won't stay up late and finish a project for you. Discipline will. Motivation isn't going to get you out of bed in the morning. Discipline will. Make discipline part of your daily life and your daily life will get better. Is that it? Is that where we stop? Okay, yeah, pretty good, isn't it? Daily life will get better. Is anybody scared in here a little bit? (laughs) I'm going to start talking to you all like that. Listen here. No. but that was, that was really good and, you know, just kind of a natural look at discipline, but it really, it really paints a really good picture. And sometimes we have a tendency to over-spiritualize our relationship with the Lord. I did this, I did this for years, and it's like, me and Jesus, we're just, we're awesome. And, you know, the next thing I know, you know, I had gone large periods or lengthy periods of time without really spending any time with the Lord. And it's because I didn't make it a discipline to say, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. And Liz is one of the, the best examples I know of this because she, you know, part of it started with her saying, Lord, I mean, she was honest. She's like, Lord, I don't even want a relationship with you. And this is her testimony. But it's like, I don't even want a relationship with you, but I know that I need one. So I'm asking you for the desire. And the Lord put that desire. But then she decided, I'm going to get up and, and for well, it actually lengthy, didn't even like years. You got up really early. Yeah, it didn't yeah. even start like that. I kept finding myself complaining and making excuses because I wanted a deeper relationship with the Lord. I wanted more time, and I didn't have time. And how come He gets to grow and I'm not growing? You know all the the excuses and. So it was the, like you didn't want it, but you knew you needed it, though. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, and I did, I did want it, but I didn't want it bad enough because when you want something bad enough, you will do what is necessary to see what it is that you want through. You will be intentional to make the steps, to make sacrifices, to say yes to something and no to something else. And so that takes discipline. That takes effort on our part to do. And so we were actually in a leader meeting and I had this, the Lord told me, I want you to get up early. And who knows 
your flesh, it doesn't like to get up early, especially when you have little kids and sometimes you're up in the middle of the night and whatever. Like, it was always something. And I kept saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And then uh, Carrie Pickett was here, and she said, what would it look like if I came and hung out with you for 24 hours? What would I see? And I was like, or it was 48 hours, and I was like, what would she see? And so I started taking note of what I was doing. I started paying attention to what I was doing, where I was spending time, where I was idle. It talks about in Proverbs 31 that she doesn't eat the bread of idleness, that she arises early. So I, I was like, I actually do have time because I'm wasting a lot of time. And so I just started doing the things that I needed to do, uh, you know, journeying with the Lord. And what I didn't realize what I was doing, but what I was doing was developing disciplines in my daily life where I couldn't then have an excuse anymore. I was making things happen that I wanted to happen. Yeah. And for much great benefit, too. Yeah, yeah, amen. And so this can look really challenging sometimes, again, for people that are like we know God loves us and probably almost everybody in here, those that are watching online, if you've been following us for a while, you know that and if you belong to this place, you know God loves you and you don't have to do anything to gain that. It's a free gift by grace to God's love and all that and his relationship is extended. But again, it takes intentionality. So we're going to give you um, some spiritual disciplines we're calling these, and and we're just we don't have a lot of times so we're going to hit through them really pretty quickly. And so uh, you forgot this verse; it's so good. The plans oh, this verse of, is so good. Proverbs twenty one five. Can yeah. we pull that up there? Yeah, this is so good. This will really help um, help give you some encouragement for stepping into these. Proverbs twenty one five. This is really good. The Lord spoke this to me in a time when I really really needed some plans because I've always been diligent, but I've always I've not always been um, a planner. I've been really disciplined. And so the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. And so anyways, there's this great thing about making plans, sticking with those plans, um, but having plans because you can have a diligent heart, but not have any intentionality in, in what it is that you're doing. So this is very, very simple. You begin to make plans, you develop plans, goals, if you want to call that vision, if you want to call it, and you follow those things daily and you do that over a period of time and you will have success. So Proverbs 29 and 18, I think it is, it says, uh, it says that the, the people, without a vision, my people perish. I think the New King James says that the, um, because there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. So in other words, like a vision or goals or discipline will help you get the things accomplished that you need to get accomplished. It's not about condemnation. It's not about making you feel like you're not measuring up, but it's about doing something different to get what it is that you need done. Anybody that's in, been in the military in here, you will attest to this, that the military is all about discipline, and that's why the military is so successful. Are we supposed to have a militant and you know, be militant in our relationship with the Lord? Well, truly, the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, the church, we are the army of God. We're the family of God. We're the bride. We're the governmental system. We're all of these pictures. So all of them have their place. And there certainly is a place in our relationship with the Lord where we allow the commander-in-chief to discipline us. And really, when you're, you know, we're going to have to deal with flesh from now until the time that, that we go home to be with him or Jesus returns, whatever. We're going to have to deal with that. 
So we can't get rid of our, our flesh. The only way we can get rid of our flesh is to die. And praise God, we need to live. So what do you do with your flesh? You have to train it. You have to set goals and visions in front of you. And if your flesh is saying, no, don't do that, no, don't do that, then you need to go ahead and tell your your flesh no. Yeah, It will say, I don't want to, because remember, it's motivation. I don't feel like it. Well, you go past that motivation. You say, well, this is what I want. Remember, it goes back to like, I have the vision in front of me. I know what it is that I'm going towards. Therefore, I'm making the decision to do the things that I need to do in order to get the results that I want to get. I could talk about this all day long. So good. One of my favorite things. So we're going to hit these and we're going to do them in two minutes a piece. And so we're going to give you nine (laughs) Yeah, you don't believe me. You just watch and see. <laughs> I know, because right? I could talk about these for like 90 minutes. Okay, so we're going to give you nine spiritual disciplines. If you're not taking notes, God have mercy on your soul. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's fine. But I always encourage notes because, you know, when you write things down, thank you for the one laugh. I'm sweating up here now. Uh, when you write things down, it helps you remember it. It's not about always going back. It's about you wrote it down and it helps you remember it. And so if you don't take notes, it's no problem. Um, but you should. So here we go. Here's number one, spiritual discipline number one is solitude. And another way you could say this is quietness or silence or stillness. Sometimes you need to take this thing and you need to do something else with it. Toby Mac's new album, that's one of the one things I listen to outside of worship music, about the only thing. And Travis Tritt's song, it's a great day to be alive. You know, I love that. Anyways, except for the tattoo and the goatee part. Remember two minutes. Huh? You're wasting I'm wasting my time. Okay, stop it, Kent. Stop it. Um, you know, the idea of, Toby Max got this song. He's, he talks about how this thing is robbing me of purpose. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, I thought, you know what? There's some truth in that. Sometimes you just need to get rid of the things that are distracting you and get yeah. to a place to where it's you and the Lord, it's quietness, it's stillness. I remember the first time when I went to youth camp, the first time to my memory, I went to youth camp and we were required for 45 minutes every morning before breakfast to go somewhere on the property that we were on with our Bible, a pen, and a notepad, and nothing else. Of course, that was before we had cell phones like this, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I uh, never thought I would say that about myself. But, uh, you know, so, but, so we didn't have a lot there anyways, but we couldn't talk to anybody, and there was no music going, nothing like that. And we would sit, and it's the first time I can recall of hearing God speak to me because it was solitude. It was quiet. That's right. And it's so important that you know that solitude is different from loneliness because as believers, we are never alone because we carry the spirit of God and we have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. And we have ability when we quiet ourselves down to hear from the Lord and it positions us for rest. So it's so important. One, and we can see that, and obviously I always love to go back to Jesus is our example. And if Jesus being in God, you know, on earth, if he had to withdraw to a solitary place, um, then how much more? And it even says that he had to do that as usual or as he was accustomed to. So this wasn't just one time or sometimes. He had to get alone by himself 
so he could spend time with the Lord. And you'll find this in Mark um, 135. You know, this is when now early in the morning. Oh, I'm sorry. You got oh, you that. have it. But I wanted to go just a little bit further. This is Mark 135. Now in the morning, having risen long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Well, if you, fa- if you keep reading... Then Simon, he's coming to look for him, and then Simon found him, and he said, what are you doing? Everybody's looking for him, and then this is what Jesus said. He said to them, so this is verse 38, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. So he was saying, I can go do what it is that I know that I need to do. After he withdrew to the solitary place and he prayed and he spent time with the Lord, he was reconnected to what it is that he was called to do. So I love that. That's right. I have a great idea. We're only going to get through some of these, and then we're going to move the rest till next week. Does that sound good to you all? Okay, good. Because I don't okay. want to rush. Because there's I don't so want to rush either. Because there's so much. So there's another <laughs> verse I want to make about this first point of solitude. This is very important. This is Luke 22 and 39. And let's pull this up here. Luke 22 and 39, so we can all see this together. This is a great. This is a great point. It says, "Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed." And his disciples also followed him, and he went there to pray. It says, as he was accustomed. Now, the Passion Translation says, as it was his habit. And I think there's another translation that says, as usual. And here's the point, is that Jesus had a custom, or he had a habit, or he had an as usual. And so this is a question we need to ask ourselves. Do we have an as usual? And it's different for different people. Some people get up and they got to be at work at 6 a.m. Well, that's hard to get up at 3, maybe, depending on how your night was or whatever. So it's not about when, but it's about that you do it. You have an as usual that you take time and you get in solitude. But it's not just that you find solitude occasionally. It's that you, you find solitude regularly to where you go and you have your as usual with the Lord. It's really, really important. And what is that? That's a discipline. I don't believe for a second, as a matter of fact, just the idea of it being a regular occurrence, you can imagine how people pulled on on Jesus. And I can relate on a much smaller level than Jesus. I can relate to the pull of ministry always taking your time. But there's times when I will, unless it's an emergency and somebody wants a meeting, this, that, or the other, I'll say, no, actually, sometimes I'll say, no, I already have, I have a meeting. And my meeting is with Jesus because my meeting with Jesus, honestly, is more important than any meeting with anybody else. And sometimes we make adjustments. I'm not saying that there's not a place to make adjustments and take care of you know, problems at hand. I don't mean that. But what I am saying is that we have to make it a priority in our life that we are going to have our as usual. Yeah, and so with that as usual being said, sometimes we say, I don't have a lot of time. And here is the beautiful thing about the Lord is that when you will commit to him what you have, he's so good at multiplying that. And so make sure it's when we offer what it is that we have unto him that he will multiply it back to us. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have seen him do that time and time and time again. If I only had five minutes, if I was willing to give him my five minutes, that's right then he multiplied that back to me. And it was like that five minutes turned into hours. 
because it was just so good. It's so, it's just taking that time and saying, this is what I have to offer right now. Yeah. And it's, you know, even like, it's building this discipline. We don't start with hours with the Lord. We start with a little bit at a time. And then it's, it's this crazy, wonderful thing. Whenever you spend time with him, you want more time with him. It's like you're fully satisfied, but never fully satisfied. It's a really oxymoron, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and this is true about, about time and really this whole idea of developing spiritual disciplines, but especially with the time is that anybody that says, well, I don't have time, what you mean to say is that I've not made it a priority. And saying that I don't have time is what you're saying without saying it is that time controls me, I don't control it. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. What you do with that 24 hours is up to you. So you have to make it a decision. You have to make it firm in your heart. And sometimes there's an adjustment period. I mean, this doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but you begin to make adjustments and say, Lord, there's not anybody that deserves my time more than you, and, and there's nobody's time that I need more than you. And if you were to just sit, and this is one way you can do it, and then we'll move on to the next one, but you, you could sit, and if you were to track, actually your phone, if you have an iPhone, it'll track it for you, tell you how much time you spend on particular apps and social media, this, that, and the other, you can find, but if you will just go and you will track what you do through a day, you will probably find, it's kind of like digging through an old sofa, you're going to find some, some uh, spare things there that you didn't know. We, I grew up in the upholstery shop, and part of what we got to do when we were younger is we got to de-upholster. I don't know. We got to take the old fabric off, and whatever money was in there, we got to keep it. Amen? Because things would fall through the cracks. Well, you have time that's falling through the cracks in your day that if you'll pay attention, you can find that time and be like, you know what? I'm going to purpose this time. Time, time, time is just like uh, money. I, I want to say it's a commodity. That's probably not the right word, but there's, there is so much of it. I'm not saying that God can't, he can redeem time, which kind of means he could give you more of it, but still there's only 24 hours in a day. And he also can redeem finances. So he is the redeemer, but you have what you have, time and money. What do you do with it? We have to steward it properly. When you find the extra time, take that and say, Lord, I'm going to purpose it to be with you. I'm going to purpose it to spend more time in the word, reading, reading books, doing all the different things that can be, can be done. Amen. So we're going to move on to the next one here. And this, is, um, and this is prayer. So number two is prayer. This is discipline. And this is probably the last one we're going to get to. And we'll have to get to the other seven uh, next week. But this is prayer. And in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, Ephesians 6 and 18, this is right in the middle of talking about the armor of God. But this is a great, a great scripture that brings this out really well. Praying always. How often do you pray? Always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication and the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So again, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So how, how do you do that? Does anybody have other things that they have to do um, during the day besides kneel beside your bedside and pray? Let me just see. Anybody else have anything else going on throughout the day? Half of you, the rest of you, need, you need to be kneeled beside your bedtime. <laughs> Who has other things going on throughout the day than just to say, okay, here's my point with this, is that when it's talking about praying always, it's not talking about kneeling down. Are there times when we need to kneel down and pray? Yeah. There's times when you need to hit the floor. There's times when you need to pace. There's times when you need to do different things that the Lord is telling you to do and obey him. But praying is communication. Prayer is communication with the Lord. There are many different types of prayer that can go on. You can have prayer of thanksgiving. You can have prayer of, 
um, of, of request, requesting of something on the Lord. You can pray and uh, have a prayer of faith. It should all be in faith, but you can pray a prayer of faith. There's all kinds of different prayers that you can do, but it's really, really important that you make it a point that every day, all day, you are in prayer. And it's a discipline. And you know what? If you will find, if you will redefine what prayer looks like, there was this guy that went around years ago. A lot of you know who he is, but I don't even, he was before my time, but I just heard the stories that he went around saying, Christians need to pray an hour a day. And uh, my, one of my heroes in the face, Andrew Walmack, this guy, this guy came to him and he said, how many hours do you pray in a day? And he was teaching this. You got to pray an hour a day. And Andrew thought for a second, and he remembered, um, he, he, the guy asked, how many hours did you pray yesterday? And Andrew was thinking, what did I do yesterday? Well, I spent all day with my wife. And then he said, well, Lord, but I was communicating with you all day. And so he said, yesterday I prayed 24 hours. And the guy was like, what, how, 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 how'd you do that? And the guy didn't know what to do with that. And it's because he was looking at prayer as like one devoured, solid devoted hour of praying to the Lord, which is probably him throwing up a bunch of stuff and not listening because prayer is communication and it needs to go both ways. But that's how you pray with the Lord is that your heart is before him. Your thinking is before him all the time. You say, oh, I don't know that I can do this. Oh yeah, you can. Oh yeah, you can. Because have you ever gotten to the end of your day when you were doing X, Y, Z throughout the whole day and you get to the end of it and you were worried? You had that thing going on in the back of your mind. You were thinking about that bill. You were thinking about that talk you were going to have to have. You were thinking about whatever issue was going on. You were thinking about that person you were going to have to face. You're, you're, whatever the situation was, and it was like a nagging in the back of your mind. You know what that is? That's like, that's like negative prayer. <laughs> that's, that's, that's conversation that you're having where you've pushed the Lord out of it. And you get to the end, and you're just... You just don't feel right. Anybody ever been there before? Am I the only person? Well, when you do that, what you're doing is you're taking the, the prayer power of your soul and you're devoting it to something else. And you're, you're subconsciously thinking about other things. And it's not that we don't have to deal with things, but when you have that bill, instead of sitting and fretting and worrying about it, you go, you know what, Lord, as you're working, you're doing your thing or you're in between meetings and you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, you can take that and go, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to cast it over on you. And just begin to think about the word, think about the Lord, begin to rejoice. Even if you can't do it out loud at the moment, you do it within your mind, within your heart. That is praying without. There's another verse that Paul says that he says to pray without ceasing. This verse says to pray always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. That means that when you're in communication with the Lord, which a lot of that comes through praying in the spirit, through praying in tongues. When you do that, I do that often under my breath. I'm just praying in the spirit and the Lord say, I want you to pray for this. I want you to pray for this. I want you to pray for this. And that will come up and that's how the Lord will bring that to, to the surface and to my remembrance and to my understanding and he will communicate with me like that. But that's praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. Yeah, and you know, Paul said, I pray always. I pray, and, and Timothy here, it says, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So it's simply this invitation that we give to the Lord to come into every place and every space where we are acknowledging him. And we're, we're just, like you were saying, going about and just saying, I am available to you to speak to me and to remind me and to encourage me and to communicate with me. Yeah. And so that's so important. Amen. Amen. And we're gonna, I'm just going to hit this, this last one. We're going to do number three and then we'll be done because this fits with it. 
And this is number three, is worship. So this is spiritual discipline number three, is worship. And we have to redefine what worship looks like a little bit in our thinking because we associate immediately when we say worship, we think music. And God gave music. I mean, he gave, he made Lucifer, he was a worshiping angel and he led worship. I think one could say he even was worship because of the music that came from him. And so we, we instantly think, so music is a good thing, not, not Lucifer's music, but you know, um, music is a good thing. God created it. But you know, worship, real true worship, isn't playing instruments well. And the church needs to understand this. It needs to come back to this because there has been this, this huge move in the church of having only good music without having the focus and attention on Jesus. It doesn't matter how good or how poor the music is. If the, if the adoration isn't to him, then it's just music. And you can even play the best songs in the world, but if your heart's not there before the Lord, it's just music. So when it comes to worshiping the Lord, you know, prayer is communication and prayer and, and prayer and worship go hand in hand. They go very, very close to each other. But when you're worshiping the Lord, it's more than just communication, but it's adoration. And it's, and it's really placing God at the highest level in your thinking, and it, so which is also ties into prayer. But instead of just thinking about him, you're glorifying him. You are magnifying him. You're putting him in the rightful place in your heart and in your mind and in your life. And so worship, it starts here, but it should carry over into everything that, that we're doing. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. I think it's the NIV says, which is your reasonable act of worship. And so bringing your life to a place of surrender to the Lord, that is worship. Now, it may not be an intimate worship service or worship time where you're connecting with the Lord through song, but you can take your whole life and cause it to be connected to the Lord. That is worship. That is part of what worship looks like. It's not the all of worship, but it's probably where worship begins. It's a place of surrender. This is why we have praise and worship when we start every service. It's not because like, well, that's just how they did it. No, the reason is, is because if we're going to come in and we're going to be with the Lord, the way that you do that, and this is the way that we should do it in our own personal life, the way that we do that is we come in and we say, Lord, I'm laying everything else down and I'm placing you at the highest place. Now you can do anything that you want to do in me. Anything that you want to do in me, anything that you want to, if you're leading that service, anything you want to do in the service, God, it is totally all on, it's all up to you. Whatever it is that you want to do, we're here for your purposes. We're here for your, for your reason, God. That is living a life devoted in worship to the Lord. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.